You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nick Falato, and I am not alone today. I am joined by a writer from Big Blue View, so he is a brother of the family here, and he's also a writer at Cat Scratch Reader. His name is Joseph Zick. Joseph, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, Nick. Thanks so much for having me on your show again. I'm going to start the show by by somewhat pumping up the ego. I've definitely I just want to say like we're we're done another giant season and I I do want to sort of um congratulate the folks at Big Blue View like yourself um who are who are podcasting Ed and the other guys. I think you've done a really good job all year. Uh, I've been listening and I've never the last time I came on the show I, I never got a chance to say this but I don't know, just just for our, our big blue blue view readers out there who listen to the podcast regularly, I do want to give a shout out to Ed Valentine. Uh, because Valentine's view, like it's he, you know, outside of your 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 mainstream NFL outlets, right? Like the ESPN, the the CBS, NBC, you kind of have that 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 um that lower tier of the blocks, and you you know what you're gonna get from the big boys. But I'm a true believer that when folks listen to Ed's show, they're getting they're, like they're getting an amazing show. And especially when Ed brings on guys like, uh, you know, like um, Amory Hunt, uh, Patty Traina, um, you know, I, I, I think whenever I listen to Ed's podcast, I get so much out of it. So that's my that's my rant. I just want to say, like, thanks to the Big Blue View crew this year because it's honestly, it's like I really do believe it's high quality. I believe it's high quality too, even though the product on the football field has been an absolute despair to watch. And if there's one one thing of positivity we could take away from Super Wild Card Weekend, and there was not a lot of positivity in terms of the New York Giants, it was the fact that our uh, hated rivals in the NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys both lost, which was awesome. Now we all expected, at least I expected Philadelphia didn't have a chance against Tampa Bay. Philadelphia didn't beat anybody all season. I mean, they lost to the Giants towards the end of the year in their first matchup, 13 to seven. And then they didn't, I don't think they beat one team with a winning record. And I could be mistaken there, but I don't believe they did. And Dallas, everyone kind of pitched the Dallas 49ers matchup as something that could be an upset. And we saw an upset now, do you have any specific takeaways with that Dallas loss? I loved every bit of it. I thought there were just so many mistakes from a coaching standpoint, so many mistakes from execution, from scheme. You could point at Mike McCarthy, the head coach, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator. What were your takeaways from that loss, which was glorious to see? Well, man, it's like you watch the 49ers in a game and they're doing well. And you're just like, yeah, like I, I, I could have predicted this. Like I, I know the 49ers are a good, they have a great run game. 
Jimmy G, he's he's like he. Uh, you can depend on him, and you're really confident in yourself because you're. Like, of course, I predicted that this could have happened. And then Jimmy G, he, he'll throw just like a brutal pass in in the most like in, in such a big moment of the game, and and then you get reminded. You're like, this is why Jimmy G is all, like perennially now in in the talk of losing his job. You know, he's just he's not at that elite level. Because he can make these these mistakes that you know the Rodgers and the Brady's of the, the league they they just don't make those mistakes. Now, um, you know, when it comes to the last play of the game, you know, you get you got the ref sprinting up and he clumsily he he hits into Dak Prescott and you're you're like, what? Come on, man. Um, yes, okay, it, it's it's brutal for a game to end like that. But well, there's a few things here that we all know. That referee has to touch that ball before the play can go. Um, it was the Cowboys' choice to do a QB draw up the middle. Okay, so that's that was their choice. And then maybe like looking at a really high level, like look, the Cowboys' decisions throughout the game put them in this position to be down 23-17. And I mean, uh, Randy Gregory, you know, had a you know a pretty pretty bad penalty there at the end so all this to say look man they put themselves in that position they didn't lose because of a referee or that last play of the game what's your opinion on that my opinion on the last play of the game is i get what you're trying to do i don't think you had enough time i just think there were so many variables you couldn't control i think dak prescott probably ran six to seven yards too long i don't think it's impossible to believe that Dak Prescott could have just threw to a slot receiver since the 49ers were loaded up on the sidelines and probably could have achieved it in a more expedited fashion. I think it's very, very, um, you know, fun to poke fun at it, even though I see what they were trying to do. I wouldn't have called it personally, mainly because I just believe there are so many things that could go wrong. You don't know how fast that umpire is going to get down there. You need him to set the ball down. There are just so many aspects of that play that won't work out for you. And if you look at the totality of the game, I mean, dude, how many mistakes and undisciplined plays that Dallas had. You have Micah Parsons throwing a punch that wasn't flagged. You have the Randy Gregory tackling the offensive guard on the pin-pull concept that you were referring to. They were penalized, I think, 14 times, man. That's just self-inflicted wounds. They had a sequence in the game where it was like a third and four in a in a, in a a part of the game where they could have took the lead or at least um, established themselves as real contenders in the game. Then they had a false start, and they followed it up on the third and nine with another false start. That's just undisciplined play. And I look at Mike McCarthy, dude. I don't really know what he adds to the Dallas Cowboys right now if Kellen Moore has full autonomy on the offense, Dan Quinn has full autonomy on the defense, then you're the person in charge of the clock and the management, which has been a disaster all season. So what exactly is Mike McCarthy adding to the team at this point? You know, so, so I was thinking about that the other day, and uh, sometimes the eye test still plays a really big role in, in life and in the NFL. And so you, I don't know, you, when you had Jason Garrett for all those years, you, he just, he, he just puts off this vibe that he's not, he's not a, uh, he's, he's not a dude. He's not a guy that people look up to. Whereas um, with Mike McCarthy, he sort of, you know, he's, he's a very confident individual. Like he's, he's, he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't show that he's phased or nervous from his facial expression. And I think in, in the big D 
I think that matters. I think Jerry was was targeting that. But as for your, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, one thing I'm curious about, and I think you're a little bit better at the the ins and outs of the game than I am, is um, okay. So so you had uh, you had the San Francisco basically like defending the sidelines. Well, what what do you do? I mean, if you're not going to do that that um, if you don't do the the QB draw, which like for, frankly none of us expected, how would you have attacked that? I mean, I didn't didn't one of the commentators suggest like just throwing it three times? Like, <laughs> well, the time was running out there, and it, I think one way you could have attacked it is if you had say you you spread it out, you were in ten personnel or whatever, you would have two slot receivers that you could probably throw the football to. And instead of having Dak kind of drop back, fake like he's going to pass and then run that quarterback draw, you can kind of get the ball from point A to point B, 10, 12 yards down the field with little resistance in a fairly easy manner, I would say, because everybody's by the sidelines. Now this is kind of backyard quarterbacking. And like I kind of alluded to before, I don't think the quarterback draw was as egregious as as a lot of people uh, believe, I, I do see what they were trying to do. I just think there's so many things that could have went wrong. And I think Dak probably should have gotten down like seven yards before he did. He got a little greedy and he, and he rushed it. And that just burned a little bit too much time off the clock. And Dak also needs to find that referee instead of giving it to Tyler Biotis in that situation. So there's just a lot of mistakes there. But like you said, Joseph, and you're 100% right, they put themselves into that position with the many, many errors. I mean, you had the Nev- you had the Gallimore uh, hands to the face as well, which was egregious. I remember when that was called, I was like, that extended the 49ers drive. It was on a third down. I was like, this better be bad. Well, it was bad, man. He almost ripped the dude's helmet off. Like, you can't do that in those situations. You just have to be smarter. What what did you, I'm curious to know what you thought of my initial comment about like I don't know are are you one of those people where when you watch the 49ers like because they they had quite a rough uh, patch there early in the season and then when Kittle came back they they just kind of went on a huge roll and um, it it just, like and they they beat the Rams and it just kind of like they're a weird team like I mean they're obviously under Kyle Shanahan their their run game is it's excellent. And they, they have these flashes of brilliance. Um, but I don't know, like, were you totally surprised that that the 49ers took out the, the Cowboys? Or, or what do you think of the 49ers? Oh, absolutely not. I thought the 49ers had a good chance of winning this football game. The Cowboys offense to me has been kind of arrived for a while now. Now, at the end of the season, they beat the crap out of Washington. And then they beat the crap out of a Jalen Hurtsless Philadelphia team. But they haven't really had a consistent identity, I feel like, for a while. Everybody praises Kellen Moore. But why are you using CeeDee Lamb in the slot? Like, never. Hardly. He's your best player. You put that guy in the slot. Why is Cedric Wilson getting significantly more targets than Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. I don't think that is probably a wise way to call your offense. And I get you want to take what the defense is giving you, but man, in these big games, you have to get the football into your playmaker's hands. And as for the 49ers, man, they're one of the best rushing teams I've ever seen. They're so diverse in what they can do, and they disguise their plays so well. They'll hit you with two runs, and then they'll hit you with that play action that looks the same exact thing as the run and they'll get big chunk plays off of that and when you have playmakers like George Kittle who's also one of the best blocking tight ends in the league it's hard to really defend that and then you add Debo Samuel into the equation you put him into the backfield that creates so many mismatched nightmares against a team that wants to run man coverage in the Dallas Cowboys because you have Debo Samuel you're not going to want to put a linebacker there you have to put a defensive back there and now if you want to run the football you're going to be lighter in the box I just feel like Kyle Shanahan always finds ways to maximize not only his running game but his playmakers dude and that's 
that's something that you think every offensive coordinator would do, but it's not, man. It's not. I don't believe Kellen Moore did it. We know Jason Garrett didn't do it, although Jason Garrett really had a crappy offensive line most of the time. But Shanahan is one of the best at doing that. Nick, let me ask you something. Um, when you go to the grocery store or, or you know, you go to buy clothes or whatever, are you more of a value man? Like, a, okay, I'm going to find the best deal. I'm going to find the best uh, bang for my buck. Or are you like, you know what? This this brand is a higher brand. I'm willing to pay the cash for it. What kind of guy are you? I think it all depends on what we're buying here. So alcohol, I'll spend up on alcohol. I think, you know, the finer things are good. If, if I want a good glass of bourbon or whiskey, but if we're talking about granola or something like that, like, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the value on that. In terms of clothes, I'm not really uh, overly materialistic with, with the clothes, but if it's something, you know, this, this is my outfit to go out and impress with, then I want a good outfit. But if it's lounging stuff, man, I mean, I work for a bunch of, you know, uh, professional sports teams and I have a bunch of t-shirts like you could see right here on the video of, of said teams. I'll just wear that around the house. I'm just lounging around, bro. It's comfortable. <laughs> so the reason I, I say that is because the 49ers are, they're, they're magicians um, in the value that they get on offense, particularly in the running back position. So I wrote this big piece. Um, well, you know, I got to give credit to SB Nation's James Dater wrote a, a good piece about, um, you know, why teams shouldn't pay running backs the, the big second contract. And obviously you got Zeke as one prime example, arguably. Um, and then, so I wrote a big piece saying that, look, the Panthers can't, they can't sign, uh, um, or sorry, the Panthers uh, should release McCaffrey after 2022 um, when the cap hit goes down. And then kind of tied that in with um, kind of a, a look at the cap hits of of maybe um, Carolina, which is like, I think it's like over 18 million primarily because of a guy like McCaffrey compared with the overall cap hit of the 49ers. When you look at a group of like four of their running backs, they were paying like, oh man, I, I think it was something like 8 million. Like I can't remember the cap hit, but it was something like 8 million between like Elijah Mitchell Who's like a, um, if I'm not mistaken, a, a, a later round draft pick, a, a fifth, sixth. Okay. So in that group was Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, I think Jamichael Hasty, and um, who was the fourth guy? I can't remember, but it's just like Raheem, the, the Raheem Mostert who was hurt. Right. The, and, uh, and Raheem Mostert commands, again, if I'm not mistaken, a, the major the lion's share, right? You yeah. got Elijah Mitchell who's making like 900,000 bucks. They like, I mean, I don't know who's responsible for that. Is it Kyle Shanahan who's responsible for finding these, these gems, these undrafted free agent running backs, but they have this stable of running backs and then you throw in Debo in there and it's just, um, it's great. And then what, what does that mean? Presumably that means that the 49ers can invest all their money in, in defense, right? Yes, and they do invest a lot of money in their defense. They need to shore up that secondary a little bit. Man, I'm really interested to see that matchup. We'll get into that in a little bit. But as for Elijah Mitchell, I mean, Shanahan, he, I mean, his father, Mike Shanahan, was the same way, man. They, they have such a good, such a good system. They're just looking for the back with the patience and the vision and the feel for the running backs. They don't need the most athletic, the most, oh, I'm going to jump out the screen with these highlights. But Elijah Mitchell was a good back in college at Louisiana. I mean, Rob Sale coached him down there and he was a very productive back as well. So he's somebody to me that I feel like. Elijah Mitchell of, went, to, went to LSU? No, he went to Louisiana. Is that the, that's not the Raging Cajuns, is it? Yes. Oh, okay. Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette. So it's the same. Right, the Raging uh, Cajuns. I, I, 
It's a school that Rob Sale uh, came from. And uh, so we had him over there, but I think he fit in so well to what Shanahan wanted. And remember, they drafted Trey Sermon out of Ohio State in the third round. Trey yes. Sermon didn't have the practice habits, didn't have the feel that Elijah Mitchell did. And early on in week one, Trey Sermon was a freaking inactive and blew everybody's mind. And who the heck is Elijah Mitchell guy? Elijah Mitchell steps in, slides right in, dominates them against Green Bay. If there's any team that could take down Green Bay is the 49ers. I ultimately don't think that's going to happen. I don't because uh, I think Green Bay is a different animal than we've seen in the past. Remember back in 2019 when they played in the playoffs, uh, Raheem Mostert had, I think, four rushing touchdowns or something, or it was three. It was it was insane. The, the, the Packers got carved up. I think they're a different team now. I think Aaron Rodgers is playing on another level. The fact that Jimmy Garoppolo is injured definitely really kind of sinks their chances. I mean, playing in the cold of Lambeau, I think that also sucks. But uh, – yeah, well, I mean, we can get into that in a little bit, but do you have any other takeaways from wild card? I mean, the the Bills, bro. You want you want to talk about the Bills a little bit there? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I, I try not to like outright say this, but when I write, but I, I you know I, I grew up in Toronto, so it's about ninety minutes away from the Bills, and I, you know I'm a Bills fan, so um, it's I mean, you know when 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 you guys, as in you guys, as in Giants fans, were winning Super Bowls. And of course I was, you know, I was, I, I was watching those years in, in 07 and 11 and like mesmerized, like some of the best Super Bowls watching Eli take down Brady. I mean, we, the bills were awful. <laughs> like, like I, I cannot tell you just in how many like epically disappointing ways the bills would lose games. And um, it's kind of surreal for, for, I don't know, if you're a guy like me in, in, in my 30s, it's kind of surreal to see the Bills doing well. And, you know, I don't know, like, did we get lucky? By, I think there's always luck involved in taking an, a quarterback number one. Like, could we have all predicted that Josh Allen would grow into this? I don't know. I, I don't really think a lot of people could have because particularly in his first year, I mean, he was really, really raw. But um, I guess, okay, so um, one thing I would want to get your opinion on is, I mean, you, where does where does Belichick go go from here? You know, I mean, you got Mac Jones, who seems like he's going to be serviceable. But I don't know, is like, is the Brady or Belichick as the, the driver of success for that franchise? Is that debate settled? Are we starting to, I don't know. Like, I, I'm a big believer in Belichick. He, he crushed the Bills so, like, so many times that I never look past Belichick. You know, I'm happy they got the big win. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm curious what, what your thoughts are about kind of, like, the Pats' future. Well, in terms of Belichick, he's coming back next year. I don't think Belichick is any less of a coach because he lost the Bills. I think you ran into a buzzsaw of Josh Allen at his peak playing the best football he's probably ever played. And it was amazing what he did on Saturday night. And when you kind of look at the roster – construction of the Patriots right now. And yes, Belichick has his hand in that. If you get them off script, they, they can't really come back. They don't have a lot of speed. Yeah, and Mac yeah, Jones offense is not built for yeah. It's not, man. Like they they they're built on defense and establishing the run and winning through physicality. When you run and you run into the Chiefs, when you run into the Bills and they're clicking on all cylinders and they're taking advantage of your defense, you're not going to win with with that approach. When who's your who's your biggest playmaker uh, on that offense right now other than the running backs? Like Kendrick Bourne's a nice player. Nelson Aguilar, he's fine at this point of his career. Cole Myers, maybe. Cole, Hunter Henry. Exactly. There's no one with any sort of superior athletic ability on that offense. So 
what exactly do we expect? There was no way they could compete with the Buffalo Bills when Josh Allen plays like that. There's no way. Yeah, defense really stepped up. I mean, um, I think I can objectively say that the, the Bills defense performed much better last year than they did this year. Uh, yeah. This year, they were, I think they were one of, I mean, the top three in pass defense as as they were last year. But this year, the the run game, the run defense was, uh, it got carved up. I, I mean, I think uh, the Bills were fifth, they were middling in the middle of the league in terms of run defense. And the Patriots ran all over the Bills during the regular season. And I, I don't know that, you know, the, the defense really shored up. Um, the backfield played really well and. I guess we're gonna we're gonna see how they they do against the Chiefs. I mean, this is gonna be a big game. It's gonna be a big game. I mean, they defeated the Chiefs earlier in the season, thirty-eight to twenty. And I, I mean, it's weird, man, because it's kind of like a tale of two tapes with the Buffalo Bills because they did have that point of the season where they lost to Indianapolis, where it was like, dude, they can't stop the run. This is a glaring liability here and the Patriots exposed that as well in that incredible weather game when Damian Harris rushed for that long touchdown and they just kept getting chunks six yards five yards like yo what the heck's wrong with the Bills run defense but it seems like they shored it up a little bit and when you go out there and you just absolutely blow the doors off of teams offensively the running game isn't going to necessarily help as much as it could if it was a competitive game but in terms of the Chiefs man I mean that's (laughs) That is a matchup we're going to get into in a little bit. But before we do that, I still want to kind of get a little bit some of your takeaways from this super wild card weekend. Because, I mean, again, like it, it was weird, man. Like this seven seed thing doesn't seem to be working out. Now, this is only one year, but the Eagles, uncompetitive. Steelers, uncompetitive. A lot of these games kind of sucked. To be honest, the only games that were good were the Bengals and the Raiders and then the uh, Cowboys and the 49ers. Yeah, I well, a few a few comments like – you know, I, I don't know. I, I think like with Ben taking the, the the hometown discount, I mean, taking like a, a what, like a, a league minimum salary, so so his team could have a chance this year. I, I really liked that. Um, I got to say, like as Ben has gotten older, I've I've sort of begun to like him a bit more, just from his like public standpoint. Um, I think he's like really matured as a person, and I was, you know, I I, I really did. Uh, I like liked watching Pittsburgh this year. Um, I mean, it's basically just Ben like in the shotgun and getting the ball out of his hands within like two and a half seconds. And um, I don't know. It's all I, manufactured touches. Like that's what I, I feel like, like everything's just a manufactured touch. It's literally like I catch the football and yeah. I have this bubble screen or I have this quick slant against off leverage. You know, but, but th- th- there's still just like arguably half of the NFL simply does not have the quarter, like a quarterback that, that can even match that production. So I don't know when I was looking at Pittsburgh, it's like, yeah, you got this aging quarterback who can't really do anything anymore, but he's still better than a lot of other people. It's going to be cool just to see how far they can go. I was, I was pumped up when they made the playoffs and, um, but I mean, (laughs) realistically they had like no shot against the chiefs. It's going to be, I mean, with Ben gone, like, um, you know, they're going to have to draft a, a QB, right? There's rumors that they're going to go into the season with Mason Rudolph, but I mean, that's just, you know. No, no, not sustainable. No, not sustainable. Not at all. And I don't believe that. I think he'll be on the roster. He may be the training camp quarterback one, but they pick what? I think 20th. It's around there. In this quarterback class, you should have your pick of, you know, the Matt Carrolls and and some of those guys. And I haven't, I haven't dove into these guys' films quite yet. 
But uh, it's a, I think it's a light quarterback class. Oh, this year. oh, I know, I know. But it, like, if you're sitting there at 20 and you need a quarterback, and if you do your due diligence in someone like Malik Willis, I could see them pulling the trigger on that. If Kenny Pickett falls that far, I could see them pulling the trigger on that. I don't think it's probably the wisest investment, but you're desperate at this point. You ran it back with Ben. It didn't work out. And now you're sitting here like, we don't even have another quarterback that's not named Mason Rudolph or Dwayne freaking Haskins. Like, no. that's a terrible situation. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I, I saw um, Mel Kuyper put out his, his uh, mock draft this morning, and he, oh, yeah. put, uh, he put that, it, it was the Liberty quarterback, right? Malik, uh, Malik Willis, yeah. He was the first one taken off the board, and I, th- I think it had the the Panthers taking um, Matt Matt Corral, which like I, I'm not even particularly sold on Matt Corral, but um, yeah, I mean, there's there's just going to be so much change this season with with Ben moving on, and um, well, who else? Who who else is going to be losing a quarterback? Let me think. Oh well, I mean, of course, the Panthers need to solve their issues. I mean. <laughs> I mean, you have Washington, who I don't know if they're going to run it back with Taylor Heineke, if you want to stay in the NFC East. Seems like the Eagles are going to run it back with Jalen Hurts, which is probably good for the Giants. I mean, he's an excellent fantasy quarterback to have, but that guy cannot throw the football down the field. We saw that against Tampa Bay. I mean, there, there were times uh, in that Tampa Bay game, you're watching it, you're like, dude, he's open downfield, but he's just not throwing the football. And I just don't really get why. Like, you can't make an offense work if your quarterback doesn't want to pull the trigger when the receivers are open from NFL standards, which it seemed like that happened quite a bit against Tampa Bay, man. And it's, uh, that's sad. I, I like Jalen Hurts. I, I think he's an excellent character, dude, bro. Like what he did at Alabama. Yeah. I, I really have a lot of respect for him. And honestly, as somebody who covers the giants, I grew up, you know, a rabid giant fan. Like I look at like Jalen Hurts and even Dak Prescott. And like, I don't have that kind of like fan animosity towards them. I think they're right. both yeah. good individuals. Yeah. But uh, in terms of Jalen, like he needs to progress and he can. This was kind of like his rookie season. So he can take that step. But uh, again, the Eagles were one of those, you know, playoff teams that were, yeah, you're in there because they're seven seeds. Like you're not really that great of a football team. You're better than I expected to be personally, the Eagles. But he ended up getting, you know, spanked by Tampa Bay and rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. Even, I mean, even after the, the Antonio Brown drama, um, and, and they, I mean, they, they started uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. So they, uh, Ronald Jones was out. And I think it, I saw even this week, like Ronald Jones wasn't practicing and um, Leonard Fournette's still out. So even after all that, you, you still knew the Bucks were going to, um, we're going to beat them. I mean, the, the Bucks are just too strong. Um, Nick, I did want to touch on um, Bengals Raiders if you're up for it. 
Oh, absolutely, man. How was that officiating? <laughs> uh, so the, 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 the Raiders are another team that I totally have a, a soft spot for. I, I just don't know why. I, I don't know. I just, man, I, I want the Raiders to do well. I also think it was very fashionable for everybody. Like when, when, um, when the Raiders signed John Gruden to his huge contract and they signed Mike Mayock, who, you know, I'm, I'm sure me and you, sort of grew up watching on on draft day on on nfl network like i i i I like mike mayock i mean i i get it some of the listeners might not fair enough to them but yeah so i kind of i always thought it was like really fashionable for nfl media to bash the raiders i don't know sometimes it's like a it's it's like this club and writers want to like bash people who are new and it's really hard to predict like how new coaches and GMs will be treated. Like for example, like with Dan Campbell, everybody was bashing him when he did his like bite the knees speech, but then suddenly everybody it's, it's really weird how, how national media will like either dislike you or like you anyways. And also because of the, um, the, the, just the, the ups and downs that the Raiders season went through. I mean, you know, particularly with, with Henry Roggs and then uh, Damon Arnett. I mean, it, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping to see the the Raiders pull it out, but frankly, like, okay, look, with or without the refereeing, when you can't stop Joe Burrow throwing that rock to Jamar Chase constantly, just breaking, crushing your soul, you're not going to win the game. No, you're not going to win the game. And Joe Burrow, I mean, they were confident from the get go. They lined up an empty, I think, on the first two plays of that game just like this is a second year quarterback who's in the playoffs for the first time and he's somebody who they weren't scared to kind of put out there him and jamar chase are going to be such a sweet connection for so long and in terms of the refs yeah that 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 sucked the 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 whistle that was a really weird situation there was definitely a whistle before the play was over i still think it would have been a touchdown regardless but that play still shouldn't count. But there were terrible calls on both sides as well, man. I mean, the I think there was a well, the roughing the passer and the two minute drill against Cincinnati was a very ticky tacky type call that really helped out the Raiders. I mean, now Jerome Boger and his Nat specific crew will not be refereeing any other games, which is probably for the best because that was a, not a great look. The Bengals, you got to tip their cap to them. The Raiders, you know, they're not a, a slouch team at this point. I felt like it was a very competitive game. The Bengals had several injuries up front on defense with Mike Daniels. Trey Hendrickson ended up getting concussed. Larry Ogunjobi ended up hurting his ankle, but they still were able to do enough to stop Josh Jacobs and that rushing attack. And I think Josh Jacobs looked really good in the game, but you know, there were missed opportunities. There were bad penalties. And I think the better team won. I was personally, and I know you had the soft spot for the Raiders. I was personally a little bit more interested in seeing the Bengals against Tennessee. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy for the Raiders that they even made the playoffs because all the adversity you talked about in the John Gruden situation, all that stuff, man. So uh, good on them. And, of course, the Giants were one of the teams that ended up beating them, which is embarrassing for them as well. Man, when I think about um, Joe Burrow back at LSU with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson – um, they're th- they had a third, um, the Terrace Marshall, Terrace Marshall, who's, uh, Clyde. I mean, he, he, he didn't do too, too. Yeah. Clyde Edwards. I mean, you, you look at the way they're producing in the NFL now, and it's just unbelievable to think that a college offense had Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, 
and it's it's insane like and even if you if you go uh several years before that when lsu had odell beckham and uh, jarvis landry but they didn't have a i mean i i i gotta admit like i i wasn't really paying attention too much but i i i know the quarterback was zach uh mettenberger yep and i i mean i don't think he was that great so then like now you look at these like all pros man Jamar Chase, second team all pro rookie season. Justin Jefferson, all pro. I can't remember if Justin Jefferson was all pro last year. It's just crazy. It's like now you look back and you're like, that's why Joe Burrow broke all these because he's amazing. I I don't know. Maybe I just didn't see it at the, I was like, yeah, he's good. But I, now that you see them mature, you're like, oh my God. He landed in the right system too with Joe Brady, who maximized all of those weapons. I mean, their defense was solid. They had a lot of uh, playmakers and people who were drafted relatively high, but that was an offensive powerhouse of a team. And it's just crazy too, because Joe Burrow, if he didn't get that opportunity, he's just somebody who maybe goes to a a training camp and never latches in the NFL. I mean, he's somebody who transferred from Ohio State, didn't really do that much in his first year at LSU. And then he gets that that extra season of eligibility and he just balls out of his mind, bro. So, you know, Heisman trophy, everything, dude, major credit to Joe Burrow for kind of doing that. And then also just stabilizing a franchise that needed stabilization. I mean, you had the Andy Dalton years. That was fun. You know, it was good. They made the playoffs, never won a playoff game. You had the Carson Palmer years. And again, same thing. Made the playoffs a bunch of times, never won a playoff game under Marvin Lewis. I mean, they do, they didn't win a playoff game since 91. And they just did this last weekend. And they can realistically beat Tennessee, to be honest. They can. Now, will they? We'll see. Derrick Henry seems to be coming back. And I don't know if you want to transition to the divisional round. We can do that. And I guess we could probably start with that game, to be honest, man. I mean, I'm excited. Like, this is probably the game I'm least excited for, to be honest. But I'm still really excited for it. Because the Bengals and the Titans, those are two teams that I love to watch because of their uniquely different offenses. Now, both teams' defenses are a little bit suspect. I would say the Bengals' defense is probably a little bit better than the Titans' defense. But the fact that the Titans have people like Jeffrey Simmons up front, Harold Landry up front, they can get after the passer, man, and they can disrupt the passing rhythm of the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm looking forward to seeing if Derrick Henry is fully healthy and how much they can kind of put on his plate, how much will Foreman be used, what can Ryan Tannehill do with Julio Jones, A.J. Brown. There's just a lot of um, a lot of questions I have about this game, but I'm really interested in What are you most interested in seeing, Joseph? Uh, I was listening to a little bit of sports radio today, and uh, I heard the stat that throughout the regular season, um, just 10%, one in every 10 snaps had all of uh, Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown on the field together. And uh, it looks like we're going to see all three this weekend. Um, I got to admit, though, I mean, um, Julio has been a little bit underwhelming this this year, but uh, AJ Brown, when he, when he has been on the, I mean, I had him in fantasy, which was like brutal some, some weeks and other weeks, it's just like, Oh my God. Like some, some weeks you watch AJ Brown when Tannehill is getting him the ball and he, the guy's just unstoppable. And then yeah. other weeks it, it just, perhaps because of Tennessee's offense, it just doesn't happen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it looks like Derek Henry's going to play. Uh, it's, yeah. Like, uh, like you said, like two very different offenses. Um, if since he has the better D and since he probably does have the more consistent offense, aren't we looking at a Cincinnati win here? Or I, I don't know. 
We definitely could be, which would be awesome for them. But this is also in Tennessee. That plays a huge factor. I think Mike Vrabel is, you know, arguably the coach of the year. So, you know, they're going to be really prepared. They had an extra week to prepare. I'm wondering if Tennessee has enough horses on the back end of that defense to hold up with the Jamar Chases, the T. Higgins, who had one catch in this game. Let's not forget T. Higgins is an absolute stud and can be a focal point of a game plan if you want to eliminate Jamar Chases. One of the cooler things in the NFL, I think, is that tandem of young receivers right there because a lot of defensive coordinators will be like well you know what let's focus on jamar chase and it's like okay well we have t higgins one-on-one matchups we'll take that any day of the week and if somehow you shut that down or if t higgins gets hurt we have joe mixon back here in a pretty solid r- rushing attack as well tyler boyd tyler boyd in the slot man so they really did a great job building outside in and i'm not a big proponent of that i'm much more about building inside out i think the offensive line is the foundation of the team but when you have a quarterback with a quick trigger like Joe Burrow and the rapport that he has with a lot of these receivers, you can have success like that, but it might ultimately come up and bite you in the rear end. And I'm wondering if that's going to happen with the pass rush that Tennessee can put on Joe Burrow with the Jeffrey Simmons and the Harold Landry's of the world. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I was just taking note that you're, you're, you have, you're of the Dave Gettleman mindset, you know, build up, build up the, the hog mollies up front before you <laughs> I think it's the I think it's a sound way to build. I think what tore the Giants apart was certainly the fact that they didn't have an offensive line. I think you need to have an offensive line in order to have success, or at least a moderately talented offensive line. I think the Bengals are probably one of the ones who deviate from that. Their offensive line isn't all that great, and they're still sitting here in the divisional round of the playoffs with a win under the belt. Uh, but again, I think that's more of a product of Joe Burrow. I think if you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow and those receivers, definitely helps. But man. <laughs> I uh, I mean, you had those two schools of thought. Neither of them worked. Dave Gettleman's did not work. I feel like he didn't do a good job building the trenches. Then you had Jerry Reese, who kind of was more of an outside-in type of individual, and that didn't necessarily work, although he did select Odell Beckham Jr. Both of them kind of failed miserably. I don't want to say Jerry Reese failed miserably because he has the two Super Bowls, even though a lot of that was Ernie Acorsi's roster. But after those two Super Bowls, we saw kind of a deterioration of offensive linemen and offensive play. And then you had a statue and Eli Manning back there just being like, okay, well, Bobby Hart's your right tackle and Eric Flowers, your left tackle. Have fun, bud. So I, <laughs> that wasn't, wasn't a great situation either, but the Dave Gettleman failures are fresh in our mind, which they should be because they were failures. You talked about investing in the offensive line. You did not do that enough. And we were all saying that, like a lot of people were saying that during 2020, select some offensive linemen here. There's not a lot of depth. You take one injury, you were screwed. What the Giants do? They took an injury like the first two days of training camp with Shane Lemieux partially tearing his uh, his patellar tendon, which is insane. The fact that he attempted to play in that in week one, but yeah, that's you know it's not what we're talking about today. I can rant forever about the New York Giants, but back yeah, maybe to- you know, maybe we can another chat would be nice because the future of the New York Giants is very fascinating to me, and and I I absolutely hate to say this on this podcast. But it it is. I am not optimistic, at least for the next few years. I'm I'm not optimistic. But yeah, I would love to chat chat about that later. Absolutely, we could plan that for an off season episode. But dude, so we had the Bengals Titans. Now the next Saturday game, six fifteen Eastern time, or yeah, is it six fifteen East? No, six fifteen Mountain West time. That's, I'm in Arizona. I, everything gets thrown off here. But 49ers Packers, bro. I'm excited about this now. We touched on Jimmy G and the injury. Do you think that's going to ultimately hold the 49ers back? Or do you think they actually have a legitimate shot to dethrone Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers like they did a couple seasons ago in the playoffs? Okay, I'm, I'm just going to fully admit here. Um, okay, what, you got to tell me what's going on with Jimmy G right now? 
So Jimmy G has a injury, I think, believe to his shoulder. Now it's something that uh, there, there are like rumors on Twitter that, you know, it's more serious than they're letting on, but it's something they acknowledged. And it's, and he was also playing with the injury to his throwing thumb through last game as well. So he's a little bit dinged up at the moment. And I know Jimmy G isn't necessarily a game breaker, but he does well enough within the confines of what Kyle Shanahan asks him to do. Now, yes, he's going to underthrow or overthrow one or two balls every game. That's something that Jimmy Garoppolo has done basically his entire career. But I don't think you can insert Trey Lance into this type of environment and have the success you want to against Joe Barry, that defense, and Aaron Rodgers. So, like, I'm not as optimistic as I as I hope to be, but I I do think if you can if you can establish a running game and and get that Kyle Shanahan rushing machine going. That is one way that you can have a shot, like we saw a couple of years ago in the playoffs. Without Jimmy G, the 49ers have no shot. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what are we what are we really doing right now? I mean, like like Trey, Trey Lance, like him, think he's gonna be a good quarterback down the road. Hope. They have no shot at beating Green Bay if Trey Lance starts. I'm sorry. Like it's gonna be a I, I don't know if he's gonna start. Like, I don't know if that's necessarily the conversation. No, they, it's, it's more so will an, a slightly injured Jimmy Garoppolo prevent them from even competing in the game. Good question. Good it's question. hard to know when we don't know how injured he is really to be even honest. W- you know, even without the injury, it's, it's obviously going to be a really big challenge for the 49ers. I mean, the Packers are just so strong. Um, I, 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 I really don't know. I, I don't know how to judge this game. I mean, my, my gut instinct is that, you know, Green Bay is going to take this one because they're, they're the better football team in my opinion, but I, I just don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, to be honest. And I don't know if they are going to be able to stop Devontae Adams and stop the passing attack of what Matt LaFleur and and Aaron Rodgers kind of have going. I mean, they're kind of playing on another level right now, the Green Bay Packers. They had, the, obviously, the bye week. But I think they're probably going to put an end to this, uh, this 49ers run. I love the fact that they dethroned the Dallas Cowboys. But you have injuries in Nick Bosa. Not 100% certain he's going to play. Fred Warner got dinged up. It looks like he may be okay enough to play. Yeah, it's, it seems like Fred Warner's going to play, which is incredible. Like, did you did you see in the in the game uh, when they they pan the quarterback the or they pan the camera on um, Kyle Shanahan when when Fred Warner was down in the fourth quarter? And you're just like you're just like they can't lose Fred Warner. No, and no. so I mean that's huge news for them. With with Nick Bosa, I, I'm not sure. I, I just I just know from reading news that like um, all like 49ers fans were like bombarding Nick Bosa's girlfriend's Instagram, <laughs> asking, ask like commenting on like uh, her Instagram photo, being like, "What's the status of Nick? Like, what's going on?" Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a wild thing to do. But ultimately, like my assessment of this game is: look, the Packers are getting healthy at the right time. David Bakhtiari returned to practice, so you may have him out there. Jair Alexander is back, who's one of the best cover corners in the National Football League. And you had the 49ers who are a bit dinged up right now. And even if both of these teams are fully healthy, I would pick the Packers. It's just if there was a team that I feel like could possibly upset the the, um, the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau that's not Tom Brady-led, it may be the 49ers. But I don't think it would ultimately happen right now, everything considered. Yeah, this no, this one's going to be Green Bay for me. I mean, I, well, just any – I guess any given Sunday – but th- this one is a more of a sure bet than say like the Rams Bucks. Like the Rams Bucks is just going to be a fireworks show. Can't wait. 
I can't wait for the Rams Bucks, dude, because I don't know which way I want to lean there. The Rams are playing some good football right now, man. They really, really are. And you know Tom Brady because they lost to the Rams earlier in the season. Tom Brady has this Tom Brady hate in his gut, which is, you know, powerful than regular hate. And I just think Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, even though they're beat up, obviously they don't have Chris Godwin, may not have Leonard Fournette. They don't have Ronald Jones, possibly. So you have Keyshawn Vaughn, Giovanni Bernard, Le'Veon Bell, if they want to dress him. Like, they're a little bit beat up, but you can never really rule out Tom Brady, especially when he's playing at home. But you can't really rule out Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, and the way they're just utilizing their mismatches on offense. And the fact that you have just stars on defense too, man, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, just getting after it, dude. So this is probably one of the games. I don't know, man. I'm probably looking forward most to the Chiefs' bills, but I'm definitely looking forward a lot to this. Sunday football is going to be oh, great yeah. next week. No, this is this is the game of the weekend. I mean, let's uh, let's be real here. Uh, I was also going to say, like, um, you know, you were talking about like the revenge for the Bucks, but what about revenge for guys like uh, Aaron Donald and Sean McVay from losing the Super Bowl to to uh, Brady? Right? Yes. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, obviously, completely different teams, but. Um, I think a big storyline is going to be Matt Stafford because I don't know, like, I don't know. Matt Stafford is, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to know. I mean, he's had a great season. He's been kind of heavily criticized, like in his Detroit years, he was heavily criticized for, I don't know, like being really good in there, but just like not getting it over the hump. And even this year, like, I mean, you had some games where Stafford just, he just wasn't, it's, it's, I don't know. It's tough. It's, it's really tough to see. Like Brady is so consistent, you know, like, you know, you know, the Bucks are going to put up points with the, the Rams. I mean, I think this is like, this is going to be a huge year for everyone's belief in, in, in how we go forward rating Matt Stafford among the greats, at least right now in football. Yeah. And I think that's an accurate way to kind of assess that situation and we saw what they could do this past week and their win i mean they cooper cup you're eliminated arizona's going to take cooper cup away okay well we have odell beckham in a one-on-one matchup we're going to take advantage of this matchup and we're going to put our guys in the position to to win and that's the way we're going to run our offense and not only that is we need to bleed the clock or we want to you know keep our defense off the field and establish the run we're just going to run the football down your throat and now with cam Akers back that kind of adds a totally different element i mean the burst and explosiveness that he has that's that i would say superior to sony michelle who i do believe is a good running back but what cam Akers can add to this offense is exceptional so i'm looking forward to that as well because you're going up against one of the best run defenses in the league i mean you got vita vea up front you got jpp you got levante david you got devin white one of the best defensive fronts in in the national football league and in the past several years to be honest i mean that's a funnel type of defense you want to throw against them but you know todd bowles is probably not going to be able to execute his identity, which is to blitz. Because I don't think you want to blitz Matt Stafford all that much because when Arizona and Vance Joseph tried to, they got carved up. So I'm really fascinated to see the chess match between both these teams. Yeah. Um, well, the the Bucks defense statistically, um, I think they had a, a top five run defense, whereas their their pass defense was, I think, uh, in the more in the middle of the league. But I was never sure if that was more because the Bucks had had – gone into the second half some games with with leads and and i, I don't know maybe they're now their run defense is definitely better than their past okay team. yeah right 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 so there's that um go by the way just going back to the rams cardinals i mean it, it is it's pretty crazy how all this season especially when 
I mean, Arizona stumbled uh, down the stretcher at the end, but when Arizona was just crushing the league, you're just like, wow, like this is it. Like Kyler Murray, he's an elite quarterback now. I know people, some people are going to laugh at me for saying that, right? And I think this was an, uh, a good example of um, a truly good team uh, kind of saying, okay, that's the end. That's going to be the end of that. I mean, kind of put, putting, I mean, they, they, they totally shut down Kyler Murray. Uh, and Murray also made some, frankly, like very poor decisions as, as a young quarterback right. would. I mean, this guy's going to be such a, he's going to be so exciting to watch for, for yeah. a few years, but I think maybe it was like premature for all of us in the NFL to think like that the Cardinals were going to go far because you really saw them get exposed. <clears throat> Absolutely. You saw him get exposed and Deandre Hopkins losing him was a big part of the offense. I think that really hurt as well. And I also don't really know exactly what they're doing defensively and even from a front office standpoint, because they invested, you know, two first round picks in linebackers the last two years in Isaiah Simmons from Clemson and then Zayvon Collins from Tulsa. And neither of them are really their full-time linebackers. So what are you doing with that personnel? You're bringing in some backup guys like the Vallejo dude who I saw out there and, and you're using safety sometimes even in those situations when you have these studs who are healthy that you can play. So I have, a, I have some question marks as to what exactly are they doing defensively? They seem to be a very penetration oriented team trying to shoot the gaps, which if you shoot the gap and you make the tackle for a loss, that's awesome. But if they run to another gap, then you're not there to hold it down. And now you're putting your linebacker in a situation where he's going to have to avoid an offensive lineman and make a tackle. So they're, they're, they're a little bit weird defensively. I think advanced Joseph, I have so much uh, faith in his ability to call a defense. I just don't really know exactly if their personnel is being maximized right now. Yeah. And also interesting how the Rams uh, offense was like pretty even, you know, it wasn't one of those games where Cooper cup got like 10 or 11 catches for 120 yards. Uh, I mean, uh, Cup got five for 61 in a, in a score. Odell Beckham, four for 54 in a score. Higby, 46 yards. It was all kind of spread out. Um, Michelle ran for 58. Cam Akers for 55. Yeah, it was, it was impressive. And I was also going to say, like, um, Sony Michelle, this has sort of been a, um, this has been a bounce back year for his career. I mean, yeah, I, I think a, a lot of people thought he, he was dead. <laughs> I mean, after the, the, the pass got rid of him. So that was, I don't know, it was kind of nice to see. But uh, so, yeah, this week, I mean, if I had to predict, I'm taking Brady, man. <laughs> I'm taking the Bucks. Yeah, same here. I mean, that's probably who I would take, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams pulled off the upset either. I think this is a, uh, a closer game than the last two that we went over, although I think the Bengals-Titans one can definitely be close. Just this entire slate is a lot more competitive than the last one, luckily. I think that's what we deserve at this point. But then, man, that night game, woo, Sunday night, bro, Sunday night football. Bills traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. How excited are you for this as a Bills fan? Oh, man, it's it's crazy because like you know when I was in my my younger twenties, like I was so I was so hardcore into the like I just I wanted them to win so badly, and and because they were like so inconsistent that when they would win, because you didn't expect it, it would it would bring like such joy to my week. But I think after just getting my heart like stomped on, also uh, as a, a guy from Toronto, a Leafs fan, if there's any hockey fans out there, like, <laughs> you, you guys know how bad we were before we got Austin Matthews. Like just awful, just soul crushing years. So as a, like a Bills Leafs fan, it was just like, I think it kind of, it really did kind of, 
extinguish the 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 fire, so to speak, I had. And and now with the Bills, like they're it's it's not like oh no, it's like they're 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 an elite team. I mean, I don't think I I don't think I have to defend that statement. Like they are. I mean, Josh Allen is is he is close to that elite class now. And I don't know. I just it, when they lose, I'm just like, ugh. If they, I, I gotta say though, Nick, Bills Chiefs. You know what? I'm gonna give this one to the Bills. Oh, uh, hey, that could easily happen, man. I don't think it's as crazy as a lot of people uh, would have speculated at the beginning of the season, man. Because Josh Allen, when he's playing at the level that he played against the Patriots, he's he's arguably the best quarterback in the league when he's playing like that, especially with an offensive mind like Brian Dayball. I mean, they could do so many different things and they've incorporated more of a rushing approach, man. They use a lot of outside zone, inside zone. Devin Singletary kind of took that next step over Matt Breida and Zach Moss, and he's established himself as a quality running back, I would say. And it's easier to run when you also have the receiving weapons that that they have. I mean, you have Stefan Diggs, you have Emmanuel Sanders, you have Cole Beasley, you have Gabriel Davis, you have Dawson Knox. I mean, they run 10 personnel, uh, I think like second most in the league. So they're out there with just Devin Singletary. They'll, they'll spread it out with four receivers. You want to run 11, you have De- uh, you have Knox who can, who can be a big slot. You could do so many different things. They stretch you horizontally, they stretch you vertically. They do so much offensively that you have to consider. And then you also have to look at Josh Allen, who will also run the ball down your throat if everything kind of breaks down on the back end, if he doesn't like what he sees. And you can also use quarterback power, which is used on the opening script against England. And Josh Allen has he also one of those ones on a non-designed run for like 24 yards. Josh Allen is a unique athlete, man. And the fact that Brian Dayball was able to make him uh, a, a raw prospect with a lot of traits from Wyoming into, you know, a potential MVP type of player. It's a, it's a credit to Brian Dayball who could possibly, possibly be the next head coach of the New York Giants. Oh, I never even considered that. I yeah, honestly, I, mean, I- I just feel bad for it. Like nobody wants to be going. I know. Sorry. Another tangent here on the giants, but like nobody really, no giants fan wants to go through this again. Like no one wants, you want consistency and man, it's, it's, it's tough. But anyways, I'll, I'll get off that. Okay. Um, I mean, I, one of the thoughts I had was uh, just Dawson Knox. I mean, it's with tight ends, you you never know which ones who have a big season, like if they're going to go on to be a really like big name tight end. But man, like D- Dawson Knox this year, 49 catches, nine TDs, uh, over 550 yards. Only Stefan Diggs on the team had more TDs at 10. I mean, they have something in Dawson Knox. Obviously, uh, for the Chiefs, the Chiefs need to to stop the Bills' passing attack because I, I know you said some nice things about um, Motor Devin Singletary, but to to you know to I think to be blunt, um, you know Singletary is a, is a, he's a slasher. He, he he cannot be depended on to be you know a three down. He's he he's really great at his role in Brian Dable's offense. Because the Bills, like you know, they, they throw so much, and they do so much that focuses on Josh Allen that that um, Singletary can just be counted on to get those like little five, five, four, five, six yard like slashes. But um, if you put pressure on the Bills to to run the ball, 
I mean, that's going to be your key to stopping that offense, which, I mean, it doesn't take, I mean, it doesn't take Einstein to say that, right? <laughs> exactly. But uh, I think adding that level of uh, a rushing attack that is competent will only assist the passing attack because it will have to be respected to a degree. Now, the most respect you're going to pay, obviously, as a defensive coordinator is going to be to Josh Allen and to that passing attack. But if you could pick up six yards on the ground because of all that respect paid to the passing attack, well, then, you know, you could take that contextually in some situations. I'm, I'm looking forward to this matchup, like I said, probably more than any other. Uh, you, you look at what Kansas City – can do and what Patrick Mahomes can do, it's similar to what Josh Allen can do. Now, can Josh Allen do that on the road in a tough environment with red all around him? That remains to be seen. I, I really hope that he can do that in the playoffs. I hope that he kind of takes the next level uh, in his kind of career progression and goes to the AFC championship game and then wins it, you know, and then we could actually see Josh Allen, Brian Dayball, Sean McDermott and his Bills team in a Super Bowl for the first time in how many years, you know? So that's something that I'm, I'm hoping will happen. I like the Chiefs though, too. You know, I, I think it's going to be hard for the secondary pieces without Trey White to to cover, you know, the Tyree Kills and the, and the Travis Kelseys of the world. So I think the X's and O's chess match between all of the coordinators involved, throw Steve Spagnuolo's name in there, EB, Eric, the enemy. I think it's going to be really, really fascinating. It's even, man, it's even funny because like this year, I, I don't know, just from my limited viewing of the Chiefs, I kind of thought that like Tyree Kill had a, a down year, like they weren't using him as much. But then I look at the stats. I mean, he still put up 111 receptions for over 1200 yards, yeah. 160 targets nearly. I mean, maybe I just, I don't know. I, I really did think they were using him more last year, but um, the, I mean, the Chiefs definitely had, they, they kind of like started off slow and, and um I don't know. Like uh, Nick, do you think, do you think like the chiefs right now and what we're looking at, like, are, are they as good as the last few seasons or are they equal or do you think maybe they're even better or I don't know? Uh, I don't necessarily think they're probably playing at their, the highest that we've seen Kansas city, even though they, you know, torched the Steelers in the second quarter on through that game. I still think there's probably more meat on the bone that they can get, but I like the fact that they went into that game with a specific game plan to get Jarek McKinnon involved because Jarek McKinnon wasn't really used throughout the regular season. He spent a lot of the regular season injured and they realized early on that he is a mismatch for the linebackers of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they used him as a receiver in the back, but they used him in the rushing attack. And I feel like they kind of gained something from doing that. And it kind of adds another weapon that the Buffalo Bills are going to have to prepare for outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill and Byron Pringle and all of these other receivers that they have, Demarcus Robinson getting random catches in that game, you know? And when you look at someone like Jarek McKinnon as well, like I like Daryl Williams. I think Daryl Williams is, is a fine running back who adds receiving value. But Jarek McKinnon is a serviceable. Yes, yes. And But Jarek McKinnon is a different type of athlete that I feel like really you have to be concerned about in certain areas of the field. So I, um, I think they're playing solid. It's not as bad as it was midseason, but it's still not probably to the optimal amount or the maximum amount. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's funny looking at their stats. Like all of their big name receivers played all seventeen games. I mean, Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman, um, Demarcus Robinson, and Byron Pringle. They all pay, played seventeen games. So it's like you didn't you you didn't. I mean, Kelsey played sixteen, so you didn't really lose any. It really was just that offensive line. Like I mean, they they turned over like didn't they turn over four fifths of their offensive line this year? 
Yeah, but it, it worked out well. It was a lot better than it was last year with Orlando Brown, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith all stepping in. It's just defense is like – You think it was it was better? And, I mean, oh, yeah. listen, if, if you're a listener out there and you know more than me about the, the, the Chiefs O-line, fair enough. But, oh, yeah. The offensive line of the Chiefs is much better this year than it was last year, especially after all those injuries that were suffered with uh, Eric Fisher going down. They and, both had and back surgeries and Alejandro Villanueva. No, Alejandro Villanueva was never on the uh, on the Chiefs. He was on the uh, Steelers before he went over to the Ravens. Ah, yeah. What, what was that? A weird, a weird transition, to be honest. But they had a uh, uh, Lauren uh, Tardif, uh, Duvernay Tardif, who was yeah. The but he, I mean, he he took exactly. He took the year yeah. off to work, and then they 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 just got rid of him. Yeah, he he didn't come back. But I think they missed him that season. And now they kind of just this last offseason overhauled everybody. They traded for Orlando Brown for the Ravens. That's worked right. out, you know, moderately well. You draft Creed Humphrey, absolute stud. Trey Smith, sixth round, no brainer if the guy's healthy. And then you signed, um, was it Joe Tooney? I think they signed. They signed. Yeah, they, they signed, signed Tooney. Yep. And so they revamped everything, and it's worked out excellently for uh, their passing attack. What slowed their passing attack down? was a lot of teams were playing too high against them consistently. And Patrick Mahomes kept trying to go for the home run instead of settling for those little dink and dunk passes. Until you saw him settling for those dink and dunk passes, that's when, you know, middle of the season, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was hurt. Daryl Williams steps in. Daryl Williams would have like seven catches in every game. It's because defenses were playing with depth, something the Bills are kind of utilizing right now with Devin Singletary. You know, there's a lot of check downs to the receivers in those flats because a lot of players, a lot of defenses are playing with depth. So you're now you're just like, all right, we're going to take what you're giving you, get those six, seven yards, and then try to hit on a big play maybe a little bit later on when you get greedy and try to blitz us. And a lot of teams don't want to blitz Josh Allen. A lot of teams don't want to blitz Patrick Mahomes because if you blitz them, you don't get home, you're screwed, bro. You know, because they're mentally, they're going to find the hole and then they have the arm talent to get the football to their receiver who's going to be open. So, I mean, in terms of the X's and O's with this game, it's going to be fascinating to see, as I said before, what exactly is going to happen. But in terms of that offensive line, yeah, dude, they're um, – they're good. They're 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 a they're a pretty good offensive line. I'm not the best in the league, but they're definitely much improved. Um, man, it'd be so funny if like uh, you know you expect like uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill to have the big game, and then it's like imagine like Josh Gordon is like the hero <laughs> of the game. Like, like Flash Gordon can still play, man. It's uh, I mean, I, never say never. I mean. He's he's yeah. getting, he's on the the he's he's on the roster right so. he is on the roster I'm wondering like he's buried behind Byron Pringle and I even think Demarcus uh, Robinson as well and then Michael Hardman as well who's me, me, this has also been a, a sort of a coming out year for Michael Hardman I'd say yeah it's still not to the level like he was drafted over like DK Metcalf I believe which is like you know like he it, it feels like there's still a lot of um potential there that hasn't necessarily been reached. But he's definitely had a role, and his role is typically, you know, a lot of short passes, get him in space, manufactured touches, which I'm fine with. I think that's a good way to use him if he hasn't developed the route tree to run consistent deep routes, which I I haven't studied this tape. I don't know if he has or hasn't, but, you know, I am curious as to why he's not having the deep success that someone like Tyreek Hill has. Because if you can have both those dudes stretching the defense, good luck. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, though. But, dude, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here, Joseph? I mean, plug yourself. Where can we find you? What's your Twitter handle? All the good stuff. Yeah, before that, I'll, I'll tell you a, a funny story about the the commenters on Big Blue View. What? So, 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 so commenters, right? Like, 
for for us bloggers in the industry, the commenters, you kind of never know what you're going to get. It's kind of like a love-hate relationship. Some sometimes you read them, sometimes you don't. The thing that I really like about writing for uh for SB Nation is I mean, because we're like individual team websites, the fan base is it, like they're hardcore fans, especially at Big Blue View. So they they do like for me they they're a good barometer for like when you write something, you're you kind of are getting the truth from from the comment section. So it, it, you know if you write something that the majority doesn't disagree with, you're gonna know right away. So anyways, um, Ed had me write uh, a piece about all the the former New York Giants in the playoffs. And man, the commenters are so funny because like they 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 write things that like I never even thought of. So a bunch of commenters started writing like they they basically started writing about putting together a roster made of all the 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 former Giants in the playoffs and then basically saying like one commenter like it, of course like classic pessimist angry Giants fans it started out like they could have probably won more than four games this year. But then like, then it started to like snowball and one commenter was just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, look, you'd have DeAndre Baker and Eli Apple starting at corner. You probably have a pretty good defense. You know, you have Marcus Golden, BJ Hill at defensive tackle. And then, and then because of those caught, then I start thinking and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, I mean, you, 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 <laughs> like, um, you'd have Colt. I mean, the offense wouldn't be too good, but maybe serviceable. Like you'd have Colt McCoy at quarterback. Uh, I, I can't even remember like Odell Beckham Jr. And like, um, I can't even remember, man, Alex Bachman at receiver, but just so funny. Like, and it kind of, it made me think about like the days back in, in like sitting in class in high school and just like every day, just making like fantasy NFL rosters with my friends. And like, man, the, the commenters make me laugh sometimes. You got me thinking too. I know like Chris Myrick who caught a touchdown uh, at the end of the season for the Giants. He got plucked to the Bengals practice squad. So, I mean, you could throw him into the equation to be a tight end. I don't know who the offensive lineman would be. I mean, you have Kevin Zeitler did not make the playoffs with the Ravens. So that kind of takes away one of the big chips that I would believe to be somewhat of value. But uh, it, it's still an interesting exercise for sure. And, you know, BJ Hill, he's made a big play. In he made that a big play, well. yeah. <laughs> I always like, like good for him, man. I mean, the Giants, I understand what the Giants were doing. They needed to, you know, panic and upgrade their internal offensive line because they neglected to do so during the offseason. But you traded a better player away to get a worse player in Billy Price. And Billy Price isn't egregiously bad, but he's not somebody you necessarily probably want to start. Whereas BJ Hill, I think I'm comfortable with having him start. Now, defensive line, offensive line, two totally different values right there as well. Yeah, the, the the D line would have been good. You had uh, JPP, okay, um, <laughs> Marcus Golden at outside linebacker. Let's see here. I know there were a few other big names. Um, oh yeah, Jack Jack Rabbit Jenkins at corner, DeAndre Baker, Mike Remmers at tackle. Oh, Remmers, okay. yes, yes, yes. Bobby Hart. Uh, okay, yeah, Michael Thomas at safety. He was serviceable for the Giants. Jonathan Hankins at D tackle. So the defense was was like somewhat serviceable. The offense just, I mean, you really the only running back was Corey Clement. And he, I mean, he he was good for Wisconsin, but he hasn't really done anything. And yet, I mean, for quarterback, you're picking between Cooper Ru- I mean, just the very fact that we're spending more than three minutes talking about is just <laughs> comical to me. And that's like that's the I love I love the commenters sometimes because they think of stuff that I'm just like, yeah, 
Yeah, I didn't you gotta know. Love, gotta love the commenters, Joseph. Gotta love They're them, just man. so obsessed with Giants football. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Because, you know, if you write something that people don't like, they're going to let you know about it. Oh, yeah. But other times, like, you, you just find, like, really creative, uh, creative kind of takes in the comment section. That's awesome, though. But my man, dude, let us know where everyone can find you on Twitter, where you're writing. We all know you're on Big Blue View, reading the comments. So where uh... – <laughs> uh, Yeah, just Twitter, um, at Joseph Zick, J-O-S-E-P-H, C-Z-I-K-K. Uh, you know, you can you – can, uh, Increase my follower count from 97 to, to 101. You know, half of those 97 are family members. So there you go. Yeah, big to, family. No, nah, to be honest, like I, I, you know, I really just use Twitter to, to post articles. So I'm, I'm not really, um, I think like people on Twitter who, who I mean, they're, people who are on Twitter that have large followers are, are just like really active every day. And unfortunately, I'm just not. I, I honestly like, I just prefer writing the articles, man. That's it. That's good though, dude. You do a good job at it too, everybody. And and your Carolina, your Carolina coverage. Where's that at? If anybody wants to know. Yeah, that's over at Cat Scratch Reader. So obviously, uh, another like you know pretty pretty devoted fan base over at Cat Scratch Reader. We got a lot of good writers over there. Obviously, like uh, uh, similarly brutal season for them. I mean, the Giants and the Panthers both had brutal seasons. And I guess for me as a writer for both, I'm I'm really excited for this offseason. I'm really excited for the draft because you have um you have the Giants at what uh, fifth and, and seventh, Nick, and then you have the Panthers at like sixth, I think. Uh, I, even I was looking at Mel, like at, at Kuiper's um, mock draft, like a lot of uh, you're you're getting a lot of linemen going in that first round, a, a lot of uh, tackles, particularly in the in the top fifteen. <clears throat> Yeah, Carolina is at six. They split, and that is going to be really interesting because both, as you said, both those teams need offensive linemen. So yep. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants invest both those picks in the offensive line. I wouldn't be shocked if they, if they, you know, uh, go one. And I think the one should be probably at five because you know what Carolina needs. But I will be shocked if they don't use any of their top three picks on the offensive line. So if they want to, you know, do something creative in the first round, not go off of the line, that's you know, I'm not about it, but you know, good on you. But that second round pick, you better uh, better have some offensive line in the line because you need to upgrade that position. It is tragically bad. Listen, I, you know what? I know the com the 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 listeners are going to hate me for saying this, but I'm going to drop a truth bomb on the Big Blue View listeners as we exit this show. I'm going to say that the Giants need a new quarterback. Oh, oh no, yeah, no, and that's definitely something I feel like. <laughs> conversation and they're probably going to get one too because the new general manager and coach aren't going to be tied to daniel jones like daniel dave gettleman was so i mean i think daniel jones is a quarterback that can win in the perfect situation i've been kind of adamant on that i've never really deviated from that but he's definitely far from a a finished product he's a lot to clean up he hasn't proven to be a consistent quarterback and he's not one that the giants should look to right now as the future of this franchise i don't think you pick up his fifth year option I think you look at Daniel Jones, you say you're going to play this season. You're our best option more than likely. And we'll assess after that, but there's nothing that Daniel Jones has done. And he's had a bad deck of cards as well. There's nothing that he's done that leads you to believe this guy is going to be your long-term solution at quarterback with a new general manager. He's not tied to him. What suggests that he's going to be here long-term. Okay. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm taking you longer than we thought, but I, I want to get your opinion on this. I have written in Big Blue View that I've compared Daniel Jones to Marcus Mariota. 
Is it is that a fair comparison in your opinion? So I haven't studied Marcus Mariota's uh, film extensively, so I wouldn't be able to like really uh, give a accurate assessment in the sense that he's not always consistent post-snap, which is something I can say about Daniel Jones. I'm imagining that's probably why Marcus Mariota flared out. I'm just kind of putting those two together. Yes, they're both incredible athletes that you could take advantage of their ability to run. They're both not necessarily excellent, maybe pre to post-snap diagnosing defenses. In terms of arm talent, I haven't really seen Mariota throw the ball enough to to really compare them both. But I think I DJ will... probably takes probably takes arm talent from a bit a, a little bit, but I I basically I'm predicting that DJ's career is going to go kind of like Marcus Mariota, where he he'll turn into like a, a very good, like an upper tier backup where who I don't you, think that's a bad, I don't think that's a bad prediction at all, man. I, I really don't. I mean, I think that's something that he can hope for to be honest, because Mariota is making bank as a backup right now. And if Derek Carr got injured, he was dependable. In. Yes. He's dependable. It's, it's not like, you know, it's not like the, like, I mean, what's a team where if their starter goes down, it's just like, you're done. I don't know. Like with the giants this year, when, when Daniel Jones went down, I mean, you you had Colt McCoy over the past few years. Um, Colt McCoy was here in, in 2020, right? He was just yeah. here in 2020, yeah. Right. And and you replaced that with Mike Glennon, man. In the offseason when I saw I was like, that's not good. That's not yeah. a good – like we, we need – look at me saying we. We need a good <laughs> backup, man. Because like, l- listen, Daniel Jones has already shown that he's, he's not like an Iron Man. He's not going to start every game. And even beyond that, you just want a guy who can step in and at least throw the rock. But like, man, watching Mike Glennon this year was just awful. It was it was pretty unwatchable. It really was. The entire situation was unstable from the offensive line to the play caller being fired midseason to forcing Freddie Kitchens to call an offense that wasn't his to Daniel Jones getting injured. I mean, I could sit here and do another like five hours on the instability of the 2021 New York Giants. But unfortunately, I have to get going. But Joseph, what else? Do you have anything else to say, my man? Nope. Thanks a lot for uh, another really enjoyable experience. And, and you know, hope hope the listeners um, enjoy it. And, and uh, you know, hoping everybody has a, a great weekend this weekend with their family, their friends. It's it's going to be great, I think. Hopefully, man. I, I'm looking forward to it. And Joseph, we're, we're going to have you on again, man. Because there's a lot. Every time I've had you on, it's the second time. It's been a lot of fun talking some NFL with you, brother. Awesome. Likewise. Thanks a lot, Nick. All righty, everybody. Please, everybody head on over to Big Blue View. Read our content. Listen to Big Blue View Radio. Myself, Joe DeLeon, Chris Flum, Ed Valentine, always coming out with some quality quality podcasts, I'd say. You guys can be the judge of that. Rip me apart in the comments. It's all good. But please, have a lovely one and be safe, everybody. Take care. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. 
Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit MethodProducts.com to unleash your inner shower.